Hello, this is Eric, also known as Wraith1701 on the forums, coming to you from Louisville, Kentucky, and you're listening to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast with your host, Rico. Well, thanks for that intro, Eric, and you are listening to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast with your host, Rico. That's me. This is show podcast number 143 for October the 14th, 2007. It's about 9 o'clock Sunday morning, and uh, that usually means it's time for podcasting for me. This week we're going to be looking at a classic uh, original series Trek episode. The, the <laughs> Maybe a bit too early for Rico today. Oh, we already got out of the way the third-person discussion, so that's good. I'm sorry. The episode we're going to be looking at is called The Immunity Syndrome. Of course, if I was a professional podcaster, I'd edit all that out, but no, you know... Yes, we're going to look at the Immunity Syndrome from the original Trek series. That's a second season episode, uh, which will be a lot of fun, Uh, one of my favorites. We've got a collectible later in the show, some listener entries, the usual fun stuff, uh, lots of good things. Uh, Also about those intros, send those into treksf at gmail.com. Please send in uh, any little short intro for the podcast, and they'll end up on the show. Actually, I've got another one in the queue that uh, was sent to me uh, so that's good. Always good to have some other ones uh, available, and I like to mix those in when I can. So, uh, hey, let's get started. And this week, uh, instead of the normal intro music and things, I've got a little uh, sneak preview. Star Trek is coming to movie theaters November 13th. Listen to this. From Star Trek, the original series, comes The Menagerie, the classic two-part episode like you've never seen it before. Beamed onto the big screen in HD for only one night, November 13th at 7.30 p.m., plus exclusive never-before-seen Star Trek extras. Participating theaters and ticket information at fathomevents.com. Season 1 Combo DVD, available November 20th. Well, there you go, everyone. Yes, the two-parter, The Menagerie, uh, remastered with new effects and high def, is going to be in movie theaters November 13th for one night only, which is uh, it's a Tuesday night. Uh, it's uh, going to have also a 30-minute little uh, short segment on kind of the behind-the-scenes stuff, a message from Gene Roddenberry's son, Rod Roddenberry, and some of the behind-the-scenes work that's being done to remaster and add these new effects to uh the original Star Trek episodes, which uh, the first season is coming out on November 20th. So just one week before that, they're going to do this Menagerie uh, special event. Uh, if you go to Fathom Tickets or if you go to StarTrek.com, you can learn more. You can order your tickets online, which I've order, already ordered mine, and uh, I'm going to be going with my younger son. There's a couple of movie theaters in Michigan, so there's about, I think it's 300 movie theaters across uh, the United States. Unfortunately, from as much as I can tell, this is maybe U.S. only, maybe a little bit in Canada as well. I'm not sure about that yet. But, uh, you know, stay uh, tuned to StarTrek.com. They should have all the updates there about this cool event. So I kind of went right into that after that intro. Uh, Again, welcome to the show this week, everyone. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. I always appreciate... uh, you know, if we've got any new listeners out there, if maybe you found this on iTunes or Podcast Alley, you know, or other just a general Google search or other uh, podcast catching sites where they index them all, uh, welcome to the show. This is your weekly uh, Star Trek and Star Wars and sci-fi podcast update, reviews, uh, all kinds of fun things going on here. Well, just like last Sunday, I ended up getting up very early today uh, with my uh, puppy Kaylee. So it's, uh, I think uh, this week's a little bit better. She didn't get up quite as early, and I feel a little bit better. I've got my little Lipton green tea here to sip on while I do the podcast. Uh, trying to drink a little bit more of that lately than, than the Gatorade. We're kind of shifting uh, shifting away. It's, uh, it's also getting a little cooler here in Michigan, and, and this uh, green tea uh, always tastes good. Uh, on a cool, very cool Michigan uh, morning in October. It was only about 35 degrees Fahrenheit this morning. And taking the puppy outside in the morning to do her business is, uh, oh, yeah, it's a lot of fun to do that at about 4.30 in the morning. Got a few bits of uh, general kind of what I call housekeeping news and things to pass on to everyone listening to the show. The first one, uh, for anyone that's ordered a T-shirt, uh, the second run, a uh, second set of uh 
white uh, t-shirts. I, I got those in uh, Friday. They came to me. Look all uh, very good. They did a great job using a company called, uh, I think it's called Uber Prince, uberprince.com. They did a real nice job with these uh, shirts. They did the first run, and they did this one as well. I've got them all packaged up individually to ship out. I'm going to be going to the post office tomorrow during my lunch hour and get these all shipped out to everyone that ordered a shirt. So you should have your shirt by the end of this week. Also, like I, I think I mentioned last time, uh, revamp the uh, Treks and Sci-Fi forums, sort of revamping the, the website in general, uh, move to a new host, uh, or uh, shifting to a new host, a little bit of the information and data uh, for the podcast and the forums and everything like that. If you just go to treksinsci-fi.com forward slash forum, you can find the uh, the new home and the new look of the forum. Also, I wanted to mention, if you sign up on the forum now, I'm starting a new little thing on there, uh, doing some member uh, forum member-only contests. Uh, I've done a few contests on the podcast, and those will continue as well uh, periodically. But I'm also going to occasionally throw up a forum contest, which will be available in the member-only section on the forum uh, which, uh, you know, once in a while I'll put that up there. It might be a little trivia, might be some photo kind of a contest, which is w- the one that's going currently, So, which will be lasting about another week. Uh, so if you want to check out the forum and sign up, you can get some uh, cool prizes and have some fun and also uh, participate in the uh, RPG Trek game that we've got going, Season 4 of that right now. And also a related uh, website update uh topic. Uh, I've also been working on updating and changing over the gallery collection. Uh, That's basically uh, where I keep all the pictures from all the collectibles and things I talk about on the podcast. That's uh, getting a a big revamp. I'm using a a cool uh, photo gallery tool called Coppermine, uh, which I'm moving to. So right now, uh, unfortunately, if you click on some of the old links, if you're looking through the podcast notes and previous collectibles that I reviewed, if you click on like a collectible in that section, and it, it may take you to a broken link right now. I'm trying to get the pictures uh, all up and the re- the links all switched over, but it'll take a little time, maybe about another week or so. But everything should be good, and the new home should, uh, should look a lot better and run better as well. So it's still uh, starting uh, to be revamped, uh, but if you click on the collection gallery, you'll get to see some of it. I've got most of the Star Trek items that I've got uh, in my collection up right now. going to move on to the Star Wars thing soon. So that's another update on the website. Okay, that's enough uh, housekeeping chit-chat. Uh, let's move on to some news and Star Trek news. There's... Uh, Quite a lot happening, it seems, about the uh, next Star Trek movie, which, uh, as far as I know, is still being called just simply Star Trek. Not Star Trek XI, not Star Trek, you know, the Starfleet Academy movie or anything like that. Just simply Star Trek, which is still supposed to be due out uh, Christmas Day next year, 2008. Uh, Let me go down the cast list, the the confirmed ones at least so far. We have, of course, Zachary Quinto, who plays uh, Siler on Heroes. He's confirmed for Spock. That was probably the first one announced and the biggest. Uh, We also have uh, Chekhov, Anton Yeltkin, who is actually a Russian guy. Uh, Sulu was just announced. uh, John Cho, uh, who was in that uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle movie, a few other things. He is going to play Sulu. Uh, Uhura is Zoe Zaldana, I think is how you say her name. Not sure about that exactly. And a big piece of uh, confirmed casting news this past week was Eric Bana, who played Bruce Banner in the first Hulk movie. And he's done a lot of other good films as well. Uh, the Hulk, of course, probably not the greatest movie in the world. But I think Eric Bana is a solid actor. And they've uh, hired him to play the villain. And he's going to be playing a character named Nero. And there's... Uh, some slightly unconfirmed reports about uh, what his character is and, and the, the type of character it is. So I'm not going to say any of that right now until it's more confirmed. But he is uh, cast right now in the villain role for this Star Trek movie. also wanted to mention that there's an actor named Chris Pine who seems to be the front runner for the role of, of course, James Tiberius Kirk in this movie. Chris has done some different movies. Uh, he did this one called Smoke and Aces. Uh, He played sort of an assassin, a neo-Nazi assassin in that movie. If anyone's seen that film, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. Oh, I I think I also forgot to mention one other confirmed uh, cast member, 
Chris Pine, of course, is the one that's not confirmed right now of this list. Uh, we have uh, Scotty is going to be played by Simon Pegg, uh, who was in uh, that uh, Shaun of the Dead movie. He did that Hot Fuzz movie. He's an Englishman. Uh, real funny guy. I'm not really so keen about this bit of casting for Scotty. I think uh, Paul McGilligan, who played uh, McGillan, uh, who played uh, Beckett, uh, Carson Beckett on Stargate Atlantis, uh, would be much better for Scotty's role. Uh, well, unfortunately, they've got Simon Pegg. I think he'll do a good job. Uh, but I think Paul looked more like Scotty, and he's also a Scotsman on top of that. So that might have been a little bit better casting. But anyway, uh, so we'll keep everyone up to date on the uh, Star Trek movie and casting news as it develops. Hi, this is Len from Jawbone Radio, and whenever I need the latest Star Trek or sci-fi news, I listen to my friend Rick on the Treks and Sci-Fi Podcast. Hey, do you think he's going to be talking about Wookiees? Because I love Wookiees. Let's move on to um, some Star Wars information and news. Of course, work is continuing on the Clone Wars series. Still no word about when that's going to start up uh, next year in 2008, and... uh, not much coming out on that or information on the live-action series as well. Still not a whole lot being discussed about either of those. One thing that I did discover is there's an X-Wing uh, auction up for a sale right now on eBay. This is a, a special X-Wing Starfighter model uh, that's also been signed by George Lucas, and it's going up for a charity uh, to support, uh, let's see, the, the, the Columbian Ball and Benefit the annual fund of the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. So that's what the auction is for. It looks like on eBay it ends on October 15th. It's up to over $4,000 right now. I don't think I'll be bidding on this, but it looks like it's for a nice cause, and uh, it's a cool little model. I think it's the old Icons model, but I'm not sure. It could be one from Industrial Light and Magic, but it seems like if it was the ILM model, it would be going for a lot more money. So I'm thinking this is a replica like a... Uh, icons version of it yeah, on the uh on the collecting scene too master replicas of course is still trying to get all their star wars stuff out before the end of the year uh, i'm really tempted right now to pick up uh, uh well a fairly big t- ticket star wars item right now that uh, master replicas has on sale i just uh haven't really got up the nerve right now to order it but i i'm starting to think i might uh well more news about that maybe in a week or two to come on some uh, related uh, Lucas news, the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles is finally coming out uh, on DVD. The first volume of this set is due out uh, on October, I think it's, uh, yeah, October 23rd, Volume 1. And it's a, uh, just the first volume of this set is a 12 DVD set, uh, which is pretty amazing. Uh, lots of cool packaging, lots of cool background information and historical stuff. This was a cool TV show, and I think a lot of people overlooked it. It uh, really had some neat history in it, and, and they went to a lot of different cool locations around the world. So I'd urge everyone, if you haven't seen the Young Indie Chronicles, uh, and sort of to get everyone pumped up for the movie coming out next spring with Harrison Ford, of course, the Indy 4 movie. Uh, definitely check this out. Uh, like I said, the first volume's coming out uh, on October 23rd. And one last bit of news, uh, since I'm a fairly big comic book fan and reader, have been for lots of years, uh, it looks like Captain America is coming back to comics, or somebody playing Captain America. Who knows if it's Steve Rogers again or not. Uh, but uh, coming up in Captain America, issue number 34, Four uh, marks the debut of the new Captain America. Of course, in comic book land, no one really stays dead forever. Still no word exactly on the plot details, uh, but that should be uh, coming out in the next few weeks. They have changed the look of his uniform, uh, and, he, and some of the pictures I've seen, he's actually got a gun as well. Uh, I haven't really read Captain America a lot throughout the years, but... I can't remember him ever carrying around a gun. Maybe he did in the way back, you know, or in the early years during the war times and things like that. But, you know, he always has the shield and he, he's an excellent fighter. So he's more like a Batman. I've never really seen him with a gun, but these photos show him in the uh, drawings that they're doing for the new issues. He's got a gun and he's still got the shield, a little different uniform in that. So I don't know what to think about that. We'll have to see. So Captain America, uh, number 34, coming out soon. 
Okay, time for a very short break here, and then we're going to come back and discuss the Star Trek episode, The Immunity Syndrome. And as a little bit of a fun thing, I'm going to do this uh, for the next few shows, see how it goes. During this break, I am going to play sort of an old B-movie sci-fi trailer. This should be fun. So listen in, and I'll be right back. It came from outer space is a picture that you'll long remember for its blending of science and fiction, for its eerie terror, and for its story of an invasion from another planet that's almost beyond imagining. I tell you, from its size and its appearance, this thing came from outer space. I even have reason to believe that there's some form of life in it. What do you want? What are you doing? Let me see you as you really are. Yeah, that was a little bit of fun, I thought. Uh, that's from a B-movie uh, from the 50s, I think it is. It's called uh, It Came From Outer Space. Uh yeah, it's funny looking back at those. I always wonder when I see those kind of uh, trailers and the, watch some of those movies growing up uh, and still occasionally pop one in, if, uh, you know, in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, if they'll look back on the kind of uh, movies and things that we do these days, movies, television, and everything, and entertainment, and say, man, were those guys, you know, they really thought this was good, and, and if they'll just chuckle at the kind of stuff that we see uh, as well or that we're watching right now, if you know what I mean, so... Who knows? Uh, but there you go. He came from outer space. Okay, let's move on to the Star Trek episode for this week from the original series, second season, called The Immunity Syndrome. This episode uh, was written by Robert Sabaroff, directed by uh, a pretty regular director on the original series, Joseph Pe- Pevney. Um, this movie, or this movie, excuse me, this episode of Trek uh, is a little different. It, it's sort of called uh, a bottle show. They don't leave the ship at all. Every All the sets that they use are just the normal routine sets that you've seen uh, them use many times. Sick Bay, the bridge, a couple of corridors. Uh, they use the shuttle bay at one point, but that's all old footage as well. So, you know, they, they had to keep the budget in line a little bit because this show basically has these... Um, optical effects for this giant sort of space amoeba that the Enterprise encounters in this episode. That's the main uh, thing that goes on here, and those opticals at the time cost them quite a bit of money, so they had to save money uh, when they did this and not really have any other, you know, guest stars or new effects or new, uh, you know, anything really. Well, not, excuse me, not new effects, but new things on the ship itself and no guest stars that they had to pay. So everything went into making that little space amoeba. And I'm really looking forward to and anxious to see what they do when they remaster this episode and and redo those effects. They haven't done this one yet, so this will be a cool one to look forward to uh, sometime. I'm not sure when it's going to be coming out. There is a schedule up at StarTrek.com, but it shouldn't be uh, that long, maybe sometime early next year. Now, the basic, uh, like I said, the basic plot line here is the Enterprise runs into this giant space amoeba. It starts drawing them in. It's already destroyed one starship, and it's looking to the Enterprise to be the next uh, target and next mouthful for it. Uh, There's a lot of good character stuff in this episode between Spock, McCoy, and Captain Kirk, which, you know, really makes the episode for me one one of the uh, highlights of it and really shows how the three of these... uh, characters care about each other and how they interact so hey let's get into it uh, let me play uh the first uh the first clip i did have the preview but i don't think i'll play that this week because uh well you'll hear most of this uh that's in the preview throughout the rest of this so we'll just get right into the episode this is immunity uh syndrome clip one this is spock here in vain captain the intrepid it just died. And the 400 Vulcans aboard. All dead. Come on, Spock. Let's go down to sick bay. Doctor, I know what I know. Get to the sick bay. Captain. No, no, no. That's an order. So in that clip, you can hear uh, and notice that Spock is, uh, you know, felt a little something in his mind. Uh, the USS Intrepid, which is manned uh, as a starship in Starfleet, manned completely by Vulcans, 
was wiped out. And, of course, even though he's only a half Vulcan, he still can feel this. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, when Alderaan was destroyed and Obi-Wan could pick it up through the Force. You know, I've always sort of thought that when that happened, it was very similar to what happened to Spock here in this episode of the Immunity Syndrome. You know, a thousand Vulcans cried out in terror. Uh, it's uh, Well, not a thousand in this case, only a little more than 400 Vulcans uh, were destroyed by this amoeba thing uh, before the Enterprise gets there. So it's an interesting scene, and, you know, you don't really uh, pick up on that uh, with uh, Spock very often with his connection to the other Vulcans uh, through the mind uh, and all. So that's a neat, neat part. The next thing that I wanted to play for you, uh, they, they first uh, encounter sort of a dark area in space before they get to the... The, the globby gloobie is are those words no nah, i don't think so <laughs> before they get to the amoeba itself so listen to this clip spock give me an update on the dark area ahead no analysis due to insufficient information no speculation no information nothing i've asked you three times for information on that thing and you've been unable to supply it insufficient data is not sufficient mr spock you're the science officer you're supposed to have sufficient data all the time i'm well aware of that captain but the computers contain nothing on this phenomenon. It is beyond our experience, and the new information is not yet significant. I don't know about you, but I'm tired. If you can't tell me what it is, let's use reverse logic. Perhaps it'll help if you tell me what it isn't. It is not liquid, gaseous, or solid, despite the fact that we cannot see through it. So far, that's not much help. It is not a galactic nebula, such as the coal sack. And since our deflectors were activated by it, it would seem to be some form of energy. But nothing our sensors can identify. Is it possible that this is what killed that solar system and the intrepid? Very possible. Good exchange there between Kirk and Spock. Uh, you know, Kirk always relying on Spock to have all the answers, and in this case, Spock doesn't really have them. Uh, you know, that kind of uh, reminds me, I sort of work in the sciences, and in that area, you know, you're always being asked certain things and questions, and you don't, you don't always have the answers. Sometimes you have to make some speculation, some uh, educated guesses, I like to call them, but it's, you know, there are other people that are always looking to you to have uh have an answer for something and it takes a lot of data really to generate it you know it's it's not like it is on television or in the movies they don't solve everything in an hour uh, certainly not so but in star trek they do so that's uh well or else it would be weeks long you know as they tried to solve each conundrum that the enterprise found themselves in but again uh, you know keep in mind uh, throughout this episode uh, the crew was just about heading to shore leave as this episode started out so everyone's a little bit frazzled and as they enter and, and move more into this area of space and this dark area, it starts to affect them and sort of weaken them. Everyone starts to have to get injections in this episode. Uh, they, they start to get weak and uh, really get, have to start taking the stimulants. They're all drinking, you know, Coca-Cola or whatever. It would be uh, popping uh, caffeine pills if they had them, but McCoy keeps everyone on their feet throughout the episode. And in the original script, that was even more involved. They really brought that out more. Even McCoy nearly dies in the original take on this episode. Uh, there are a few other little subtle differences uh, between what was shown and, and filmed, what was the finished product, and what was originally uh, laid out. And that, that was one of them. This area of space starting to really affect the natural processes of the people on, on the Enterprise uh, really was uh, taking its toll a lot more than you really see in this one. Let's go on to uh, the next clip. They first um, encounter when they see the, uh, well, I still refer to it as the big space amoeba. Uh, this uh, clip is when they first meet up with that. So listen to this. Are we still in contact with the probe? Yes, sir. Data being relayed to Mr. Spock. Readings coming in now, Captain. Length, approximately 11,000 miles. Width, varying from 2,000 to 3,000 miles. Outer layer studded with space debris and waste. Interior consists of protoplasm, varying from a firmer gelatinous layer to a semi-fluid central mass. Condition living. 
one thing you have to keep in mind when you watch this episode of Trek and, you know, in sci-fi in general is is it really kind of uh, is kind of doesn't make sense and is kind of silly from a scientific viewpoint. This big living organism out there in space, you know, space is so vast and so big. It, it needs something to live off of. And, and I don't think it can really depend on, you know, the, the, the passing wandering uh, starship inhabited by Vulcans or the Enterprise in this case. Uh, you know, it's it's very difficult for me to think that it could just, you know, live off of all of that. Uh, now, you know, in the episode like the Doomsday Machine, that machine was able to travel around from spot to spot and place to place uh, fairly quickly. And I could see it, gave, you know, gaining power from the different planets and, and stuff that it chopped up and used as fuel. So, but this space amoeba, you know, I'm like, eh, did it just sort of appear there? Maybe it came from another area of space or another dimension. They don't really explain a lot of those things in the episode, like that blackness that it is first surrounding it. They don't really explain what that is. Again, in the original story, that was supposed to be more near like a black hole was where this amoeba was supposed to be found. And, and it was supposed to be a little more clear on like where it came from rather than what was finally uh, filmed. But probably not really that important. The main and the main thing here is the Enterprise in peril and the relationship between the main three characters, especially Kirk, or excuse me, especially between Spock and McCoy, as you'll see in these next clips that I'm going to play. And they basically need somebody to go investigate the uh, the amoeba in a shuttle to get closer to it to find out where it's weak and what they can do to stop it and destroy it. And both Spock and McCoy will be volunteering. Well, let me play this next clip, and you'll get into that. This uh this next one is a little longer clip, almost two minutes, but there's some good stuff in here uh, between the main three leads. So listen to this. You think that I intend to pass up the greatest living laboratory since... The Vulcans saw it first and died. Well, just because the Vulcans fail, I am more capable. Gentlemen, I am not taking volunteers. You don't think you're going? Well, I'm better qualified as a command pilot than you are. Which makes you indispensable, Captain. Further, you are not a science specialist. Jim, that organism contains chemical processes we've never seen before and may never see again. While we could learn more in one day. We don't have one day, Doctor. We have precisely one hour and 35 minutes of power left. Jim. Captain, I... Gentlemen, I'll decide. Captain's personal log... Stardate 4309.2. We've established that the thing which destroyed the USS Intrepid and the Gamma 7A system is an incredibly huge but simple cellular being whose energies are totally destructive to all known life. Both Mr. Spark and Dr. McCoy have volunteered to go in a specially equipped shuttlecraft, penetrate the cell, find a way to destroy it, and free the ship. McCoy has the medical, biological knowledge. Mr. Spock is better suited physically and emotionally to stand stress. Both are right, both are capable, and which of my friends do I condemn to death? Yeah, so a very uh, very difficult situation. Uh, Kirk, of course, uh, is close friends with Spock and McCoy, and they're all fairly certain that, that whoever goes on this mission is not going to come back from it. And it's it's a real uh, conundrum, uh, but of course, uh, Kirk has to sort of make a decision here, even though he's saying he can't order anyone, but they're both volunteering, so he's having to decide you know, between his two friends which one does he send uh, off on this uh basically a uh, death sentence mission it's uh you know that's what trek did quite a bit uh, it's you know the, these main three characters uh you know support each other remembering star trek uh five how kirk said he would never die as long as he was with his friends with with spock and mccoy at his side so they they have a bond uh, a very strong bond between the three of them and it's a very difficult situation for kirk in this episode to deal with uh this uh, this decision though becomes one of like who does he think could make you know do the mission and, and get the information the best, a combination of science skills, piloting skills, and, and just overall who could handle things better. And of course, he eventually picks Mister Spock to go on the mission instead of Doctor McCoy. 
which also, uh, you know, they don't really give him a lot. He doesn't give a lot of reasons for, he just says he's better suited. You know, when you think about it, though, the, the episode was also involving how all the crew was falling down on their jobs and being really affected by this this area of space and this amoeba they were near and all. So you could uh, also say that, that McCoy really needed to stay aboard to, to help with that uh, more than Spock did. McCoy was more needed as the ship's uh, chief surgeon and doctor to help with the crew and their problems right now than uh, running off in a shuttlecraft and probably not coming back. So anyway, uh, the next clip, though, is, is a little past when Kirk says which one's going to go. I, I just faded into uh, when uh, Spock and McCoy are kind of heading towards the shuttle, and this scene—it's uh, it, a good one, and it shows the, you know, how they care about each other, but they really can't say it. So listen to this. Do not suffer so, Doctor. This is not the first time superior capability has proven more valuable than professional credentials. Nothing has been proven yet, Spock. The DNA code analyzer will give you the fundamental structure of the thing. You'll need readings on three light wavelengths from the enzyme recorder. I am familiar with the equipment, Doctor. We're wasting time. The shuttlecraft is ready. You're determined not to let me share in this, aren't you? This is not a competition, Doctor. Whether you understand it or not, grant me my own kind of dignity. Vulcan dignity? How can I grant you what I don't understand? Then employ one of your own superstitions. Wish me luck. So McCoy, uh, even though uh, Spock was right there, he couldn't really say good luck to him before he left. Uh, he was, you know, a little bit embarrassed maybe about it. And, uh, you know, they have that sort of general ribbing between them, each other. And But he did wish him luck after the, the doors to the shuttle bay closed, which is an important point in the episode and kind of comes back into play later on. Oh, right when I was listening to that clip, I clicked... Uh, I, there's a voting thing at sci-fi.com slash sci-fi wire about this week's poll about well, what movie you're looking forward to the most next year. And uh, just as a little quick aside from uh, the episode I'm looking at, Iron Man, the Indiana Jones movie, the next Batman movie, The Dark Knight, and Star Trek are all coming out in 2008. And, of course, I voted for Star Trek, looking forward to the most of those. And uh, it has the most votes right now, which is uh, pretty interesting uh, a fair amount more than the next one up is The Dark Knight, just under Star Trek, and then the Indiana Jones movie, and the rest are really far behind that. Uh, so anyway, that was an uh, interesting thing. Check out uh, sci-fi.com slash sci-fi wire. They have a lot of good news and information each day there. So back to the episode. Uh, the next clip, this one uh, I believe is, uh, yeah, this is a Spock message. This is when he's giving a message back to the Enterprise about uh, his findings as he proceeds towards the amoeba. So listen to this. Captain, I'm receiving a message from Mr. Spock on a low-energy channel. It's faint, but it is readable. Put it on, Lieutenant. On audio, sir. This is Spock. I'm slowly losing life support and minimal shield energies. According to my calculations, nervous energy of the organism, maximum, just within its outer protective membrane, relatively insensitive to interior irritation, leave sufficient charge of Yeah, there's uh, a lot of good music used in this episode as well. Things, uh, similar uh, musical themes and cues you've heard throughout uh, 
if you're familiar with the second season of the original series, Doomsday Machine, a lot of other episodes, uh, the music was used uh, in a few different places, uh, but uh, really fits the mood of the episode well. The next thing, you know, the big thing about that last clip was the little bit of the message, of course, where Spock's telling him how to destroy the organism is cut out with static. Just the one one word or two words that he was going to say there is overridden with static. How how unfortunate, huh? But uh, Kirk uh, sort of deduces it and figures it out on his own, which is, uh, well, that sort of works. It seems like it would have been simpler for Spock to maybe just tell him what the problem was. It almost makes his his whole mission in there kind of like, eh, kind of a moot point at this at this stage. But anyway, yeah, uh, listen to this next clip where Kirk uh, comes to the conclusion of what they need to do to stop the organism. How many cells does a human body have? Millions. This thing, this cell, this virus, it's eleven thousand miles long, and it's one cell. When it grows into millions will be the virus invading its body. Oh, isn't that a thought? Here we are, antibodies of our own galaxy, attacking an invading germ. Be ironic indeed if that were our sole destiny, wouldn't it? Antibodies. Antibodies. Bridge. Scotty here, sir. Scotty, how much power do we have left? We're down to 43%, sir. We're slipping a bit against the pull that beastie's putting on us. We can't last more than 45 minutes at this rate of decline. Less if I have to apply more thrust. What would happen if you diverted all remaining power to the shields? Except for impulse power. Keep that in reserve. Cut the engine thrust? We'd be sucked into that thing like being caught in the wind tunnel, sir. Exactly. Prepare to divert power on my signal. So just, you know, this is a big amoeba in, in a, a cell and an organism, and, and what kills cells and organisms that are invading uh, your body? Well, antibodies, of course. You know, why, why wouldn't they think of that before? Anyway, it's, eh, it's okay. Uh, it's still a cool, uh, cool scene, cool episode, and antibodies. I like how uh, in that scene, Kirk uh, kind of uh, slaps, uh, not hard, but he just kind of bats McCoy's uh, cheek with his hand and as he's saying the word antibodies. I always wonder when they do little actions like that, how much they came up with and how much the director uh, was telling him those things to do like that. Uh, it's a neat scene. I always remember that because he says antibodies as he's sort of, you know, hitting the side of McCoy's face. Anyway, let's move on. In the next scene, this is back up on the bridge where uh, Kirk uh, further explains his idea on how to destroy the creature. This thing has a negative energy charge. Everything seems to work in reverse. We'll use antimatter. Why? It couldn't swallow that. Mr. Chekhov, prepare a probe. Scotty, we need a magnetic bottle for the charge. How soon? It's on its way, sir. Mr. Chekhov, we'll use a timing detonator for the probe. We'll work out a setting. I sir. Helmsman, what do you estimate arrival on nucleus? Seven minutes, sir. How close are you going to it? Point blank range. We'll implant it. And back away. Why? The probe has a range of... With the eddies and currents in that protoplasm, the probe could drift thousands of kilometers. We must be exactly on target. Because we won't have a second chance. Yeah, good good uh, discussion there. And they're going to basically uh, shoot a... Basically shoot a photon torpedo at the organism because it's operating, like they say, on sort of opposite to them, so antimatter should be, you know, uh, really do a job on it. Anyway, uh, one thing I wanted to say here, I've had a few emails and people have commented this uh, about this on the forums and in other places. Uh, what, what you notice when you watch Star Trek and, and just listen to it uh, is is how easy it is to follow the episodes just by listening to them. And a lot of people have mentioned through the podcast that even just listening to these episodes uh, really uh, gets the point across. It's it's a very uh, verbal-type show. You learn everything you need to know, uh, which is almost the opposite of uh, Star Wars when you think about it. Even though I love both Trek and Star Wars, you could almost watch a Star Wars movie, a lot of them, without any dialogue and kind of figure out what's going on. You know, they're so visual through... Uh, 
the effects and, and everything. Of course, I couldn't live without John Williams' music uh, in the movie, but the dialogue, uh, eh, maybe not as important. So interesting, uh, and you know, that's kind of a space fantasy where uh, Star Trek is probably more strictly uh, sci-fi and science fiction, but just an interesting thought. And the next clip here is Spock on the shuttle. He's, you know, losing air, dying. He's out there, you know, kind of, you know, giving his last words to the computer. And I like this uh, this little bit here. Listen to this. Personal log. Commander Spock. USS. Enterprise. I have noted the passage of the Enterprise on its way to whatever awaits it. If this record should survive me, I wish it known that I bequeath my highest commendation and testimonial to the captain, officers, and crew of the Enterprise, finest starship in the fleet. Yeah, so Spock really cares about everybody on the Enterprise, and, and he thinks they're the finest crew in the fleet. Uh, and he said that a few times, you know, throughout the years and and throughout the episodes. Uh, it uh, it works. It, it's a good scene, and and he's facing, uh, you know, his imminent doom. Uh, of course, you know that's not going to happen. We know that they're going to save Spock somehow. And uh, well, let's listen to that clip. Got to get a tractor beam. Captain, we don't have enough time to do it. We only have a 53-second escape margin. I'm well aware of that, Mr. Scott. Get two tractor beams on that shuttlecraft. Aye, sir. Tractor beams on. Captain, I recommend you abandon the attempt. Do not risk the ship further on my behalf. Shut up, Spock. We're rescuing you. Why, thank you, Captain McCoy. Almost out. We're approaching the membrane, sir. Time until explosion. 57 seconds, sir. Maintaining tractor beams on shuttlecraft, Mr. Scott? Aye, sir. But I can't guarantee it'll hold when the warhead explodes. The power levels are... Power levels are dead, sir. You may have just written... Our epitaph, Mr. Scott. Yeah, of course, it's not an epitaph at all. The Enterprise makes it out, of course. Uh, somehow, Spock and the shuttlecraft make it out as well. And everything's good. The organism, the big space blobby blooby amoeba thingy is destroyed, and everything's good with the world uh, and the universe, uh, at least in Star Trek, so... One last clip. This is the end of the episode. Kind of wraps everything up real nice, and I'll be right back after it. Shuttlecraft. I don't know how, sir, but it's still with us. Shuttlecraft to Enterprise. Shuttlecraft to Enterprise. Request permission to come aboard. Spock, you're alive. Obviously, Captain. And I have some fascinating data on the organism. Don't be so smart, Spock. You botched the acetylcholine test. Later, later, later. <laughs> Bring the shuttlecraft aboard, uh, Mr. Scott. Aye, sir. Prepare to receive shuttlecraft. Receive shuttlecraft. Hangar doors closed. Hangar deck pressurizing. Mr. Chekhov, land a course for Starbase 6 ahead, warp factor 5. I'm still looking forward to a nice period of rest and relaxation on some lovely planet. Well, there you have our... My look and the podcast look at uh, the immunity syndrome from the second season of the original Star Trek series. 
good episode. Lots of nice character stuff in it. Uh, cool space blobby blooby for them to just, just you know to destroy. Uh, you know, kind of a classic episode and classic elements in it. This, uh, of course, this look would not be complete, as I've said a few times in the past, without a uh, father and son look by our friends, the Moyers. So here's their take on the immunity syndrome. Hi, this is Rick. And this is Nathan. And this is a Father and Son Review. Well, today is a very special day because the immunity syndrome uh, is the subject that you're on. And uh, it's interesting that my son has actually said that he hasn't seen the episode. Nope. What's the deal with that? I haven't seen like half of the original series. That's really, really sad. You probably have seen them though when you were smaller. You just don't remember. I remember the next generation. I just don't remember this one. Yeah, well, that was last week. This is this week. So, um... Anyway, this one was uh, the one where, well, you know what? Why don't I just do a special poem to orientate you into this episode? Would that be okay? Orientate away, man. Okay, you ready? Will you do the music in it and the sound effects? Here we go. Are you ready? Are you really ready? Yep. Okay. Chicka chicka wah wah. No, I don't want your chicka chicka wah wah music. (laughs) All right, ready? This is the immunity syndrome. On Stardate 4307.1, the Enterprise was stayed on course. When Spock, while checking sensor readings, beep, 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 beep. felt a disturbance in the force. His fellow Vulcans, all 400, were silenced in a moment. <laughs> Starfleet was alarmed and concerned, so orders were confirmed and sent. Message from Starfleet. While responding to this horrible fate, the crew found something crazy. <laughs> a large form of life that shrilled, but its origins quite hazy. Dr. McCoy, while studying this creature, was alarmed, to say the least. And so he said, if we don't stop this thing, the galaxy will be its feast. With ultrasonic deafening sounds, the crew became ill at first. And then the stars all disappeared, and inside the creature they were immersed. They can't stay here long, the doctor says, because if they do, they'll die. Scotty can't keep the energy steady, so they better do something or try... So much to the captain's distress, his friend proposed a rough time. And in a shuttlecraft called Pike, Spock laid his life on the line. (gasps) Much to Spock and the crew's surprise, he determines the creature is growing. The more energy it devours, it gets bigger, and it shows no sign of slowing. (laughs) So with sudden communication breakdown, the captain plays all of his tokens. They go deeper in the cell-like monster, or the ship will wind up like the Vulcans. So with energy on the Enterprise depleting and Spock nowhere to be found, where is he? Kirk proposes an antimatter bomb, yet they cringe at just the sound. Blow up their friend to save the ship? That is the question of the hour. But if they don't, the creature may grow and the galaxy it may devour. So with Starfleet ingenuity and fame, the timer is set for seven. Beep. The bomb explodes and the creature's destroyed. And their friend thought blown to heaven. (gasps) Creeping away on limited power, the fate of Spock is revealed. He made it out on the shuttlecraft, and again, the crew's fate is sealed. Both ships survive, and so does the crew. Another galaxy-saving plot. This is Star Trek, at its science fiction best. That's why I like this show a lot. I don't know. It's like interpretive reading. I'm not sure if, if I like it. <gasps> Stop it. Okay, well, anyway, you can't rate this one because you've never seen it. I, oh, 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 I really oh. like the remastered version oh, of this one. Oh, Stop oh. it. I really like the remastered version of this episode better than the original because the original, ah, the special effects were kind of crummy in it, but the remastered version was awesome. Great concept. Cool science fiction. And it kind of reminded me of the Fantastic Voyage when they went inside the human body. You know that science fiction? I remember that one. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's what it reminded me of, and I thought it was a really cool Star Trek episode. So I'm going to give this one, out of five stars, I'm going to give this one a four. And uh, that's all I have. Okay. Yep, same here. Well, okay, I'll let you add music and everything to everything. And, oh, uh, oh, oh, we'll oh. see everybody maybe next week on uh, Treks and Sci-Fi. Beep, Thanks, Rico. Beep, have a beep, great one. Beep, this is Rick. Beep. And this is Nathan. And this has been The, the Father, Father and Son, Son Review. Review. 
Well, thanks a lot, Rick and Nathan. That was great. Uh, love your poems, Rick. Uh, keep those up. Uh, really adds a lot. It's very neat to hear your take on the episode uh, in poem form. So that's great. Thanks very much. Yeah, you know what? I just realized this thing has been shown, the remastered version, back way back uh, last April. I'm not sure I even caught it when it was on, but I just uh, quickly looked it up. Uh, it was remastered already, and it was uh, shown. I, I watched the trailer real quick while uh, I took a break there while you guys were doing your father and son review and saw it. So, yeah, it's uh, even though early in the uh, early in the podcast I mentioned, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the remastered version. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be great. I was wrong. So there you go. Uh, it has been out already. So uh, it's uh, it's out in... Uh, I don't know if those are still on iTunes. I think they're on iTunes, so you can check it out there. All right, I uh, I didn't put this at the beginning of the show. I want to slip it in now. Here's another book review by our friend uh, and uh, heavy reader, The Duffster. He reviews another Star Trek novel called Perry's Planet. So listen to The Duffster, and I'll be right back. Hey, everyone, this is Duffster, and this is your Trek book review, brought to you by ReadMoreSciFi.com. Today we're going to look at the book Perry's Planet. This book was written by Jack C. Haldeman II and published in 1980. It's a a fairly short book, uh, but the interesting part is written by uh, another Haldeman. Um, This is actually Joe's younger brother, Jack. I I don't know that he wrote a lot of science fiction. Um, It's actually not a badly written book. There's some really good parts of the book. The story is that the Enterprise goes to a... A planet, uh, on, of course, a mission to mercy. Uh, the planet has some alternate, alternative ideas, though. They've actually come up with a way to provide peace for everyone. Well, it's actually a disease, and it's a virus that infects the Enterprise. The Enterprise finds himself, well, not being able to do any acts of aggression without passing out. <laughs> of course, this is not doesn't work out too well. So uh, there's some good. Uh, scenes with a lot of the crew members. Scotty has a great part near the end. And of course, what good would a Star Trek story be without the Klingons? They're there too. There's a Klingon that has had, has a blood oath against Kirk for killing his brother. Um, the ruler of the planet should be centuries old, but he's still alive. Kinda. So it's a good it's a good read. Uh, it's got a great ending, I thought. Um, Scotty comes up with a great idea. And, uh, well, I'm going to give this one three out of five, Live Long and Prosperous. You know, it's not a great book, but it's definitely not bad at all. Um, so uh, give it a chance. If you want to, give it a read. And catch up on some of the old Trek books. So uh, this is Dubster, of course, again, reminding you to read more science fiction. Ta-ta! Thanks, as always, Duffster, for your review. Perry's Planet, uh, yeah, another one of the earlier uh, Star Trek novels, one that I've read. Uh, and it's a fun book. Uh, I agree with your take on it. And, and you can check out more uh, about uh, other books uh, that the Duffster's up to in reading at readmoresci-fi.com. Okay, we've gotten to the point in the show where I uh, look at a collectible. And this one I got a few weeks ago and haven't looked at it yet. Uh, what I've got uh, to look at today is, um, this is from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, which are, have been so-so for me. I still think the first one was really good. The other two, not so, uh, you know, didn't like them quite as much. But they're they're still fun, and they have some cool props and replicas, definitely, from those movies. And uh, all this one's uh, another Master Replicas item. This is the Dead Man's Chest that was seen, of course, in the second movie, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. This is, the, you know, that Davy Jones uh, chest that he's carried around and throughout the movie, tossed around from person to person that carries around uh, Davy Jones' heart is in the chest. And you don't get the heart with it, but you get a cool little uh, uh, very heavy chest. It's about, I guess it's about 15 inches by 9, 10 inches wide, uh, I'm not positive this is one-to-one scale, but I think it's pretty close. It appears to be from, you know, seeing the movie and seeing this thing in person. It it looks to be about the same scale as the movie prop that was seen. Although, I, I, I don't know. It seems like the movie prop may have been just a little bit bigger. Master Replicas has had uh, uh, a real good sale on this. I got it for, uh, well, less than half price. Uh, it was originally... Uh, 
$300, which I thought was way more than it should be, at least in my view. And they had a big sale on it a few weeks ago and picked it up for, I think I got it for like 130 So that was a really good deal. Too hard, or too good of a deal, I should say, to pass up for a collector like me. Uh, it's uh, it's mostly made, unfortunately, I, I think this is one of the drawbacks for it a little bit. It's made out of kind of a resin material primarily. There's some metal pieces on it, a hinge, a lock that works with the Davy Jones key that uh, Master Replicas has also made. And there's an interior, you can put stuff in there, and then you can work the lock and just turn it. And you can use, uh, you can do that without the key, but the key is kind of cool to have too. And it doesn't come with the key. You have to buy that separately, but that's not very much. And using it with the key will work, like I said, in the lock, or you can turn it manually by hand and open up the chest. It's uh, It's got a nice finish. It's got a dark finish with sort of a, a metal-aged uh, look to it. Uh, I think some of the detailing could have been done a little bit better finish-wise on it. It's got a couple of handles on the sides, like... If you remember in the movie, they carry it around a lot by the handles uh, running across the beach and junk like that in the movie. But it's a nice little item. Uh, it was an edition size of 2000. I got number 54, uh, which is kind of neat considering I ordered this so late. It's been out for several months. But, it, you know, as far as these uh, replicas, like I said, from Pirates of the Caribbean, Master Replicas has put out quite a few. They put out uh, Jack Sparrow's uh, Flintlock Pistol. They have that compass that he uses, which I've got both those items. are pretty neat. And now the Dead Man's Chest. They also did a sword. I never picked that one up. Uh, I think it was uh, Jack Sparrow's sword that they did. I didn't get that one, but I uh, got the other things. And they've done a nice job with these. Uh, pretty cool pieces. So if you're a Pirates of the Caribbean fan, you may still be able to pick one up at MasterReplicas.com. Well, folks, that's just going to about do it for this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I've actually started to think about doing a, you know, maybe a little spin-off. I don't really want to call it a spin-off, but it might be uh, Rico might be doing another podcast. Uh, it'll be a different uh, situation or a different take. It may be, uh, well, that's about all. I got a couple of ideas floating around in my head, so I thought I'd just sort of throw that out here on the podcast. Uh, for everyone to sort of think about. Uh, But I've got a couple of, uh, like I said, things that have been percolating. Uh, Percolating? (laughs) Uh, I need some more green tea. Uh, It has kind of been, you know, sitting in my head for a few weeks. i got a a few new URLs I'm thinking about uh, grabbing and maybe getting something else started. Not that I need another, you know, something else to work on each week. Just maintaining the website, the forums, Doing the podcast takes quite a bit of time, but if I do something else, it, it may be quite a lot, uh, well, it'll be a little lesser in scale, let's just say, but I've got a couple of things I'm thinking about. So, uh, that should just about wrap it up. I've got, uh, did I say that already? <laughs> oh, I got up too early. I've already been up like six hours today, and it's 10 o'clock. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, um, I will be announcing next week's show most likely it'll be another Trek-themed uh, uh, one, maybe TNG episode or Voyager, haven't decided yet. But that will be announced on the main website and uh, on the forums uh, fairly soon, probably by the end of today. Uh, I'll, I'll look at I've got a couple of ideas for episodes I want to cover, so that'll be coming up next week on the show. I still do want to slide in a, a midweek show uh, one of these weeks. I've got a few things I want to cover on that. I want to do a a profile, another character, Trek character profile. I got a couple of interviews I want to do and slide in uh, a few other little things. I want to look at some more animated episodes, but it's just, I don't know. The weeks lately have just, the the time and and, uh, commitments via work and other things have just been kind of difficult to slide it in. So uh, don't give up hope. Uh, I'm going to try to get another Wednesday type show in at some point in time. But, uh, again, uh, please bear with me on the website. The Collectible Gallery, especially right now, like I said, is undergoing some changes. But that should all be worked out in the next uh, week or so. And uh, check out the forums. Like I said, a lot of fun there. We're doing the RPG game. Oh, contact information, treksf at gmail.com for me and the podcast and everything about the website. Also, voicemail line 206 six 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 one two seven i got a couple of interesting calls actually this week on the voicemail line people looking for dogs to buy dogs i guess somewhere on the internet or somewhere somebody's posted that phone number and i just dialed it actually this morning to make sure it was still my number 
and people dialed it and left messages and said, hey, I'd like to buy buy some of the puppies you've got. And I'm like, well, that's not me. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, I, got, I should get out of here, get this thing edited up, and get it up on the internets, the series of tubes that we all love. So until next time, everyone enjoy the week. I hope everything's good with everyone, and I will talk to you again very soon. This is Rico signing off for this week. Bye-bye. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. You said don't talk fast, and that's how you show excitement. All right, talk a little faster. Okay. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. This podcast, copyright 2007, all rights reserved.